And I want to read one verse of scripture, verse number 14. John chapter number 1, verse number 14. You glad you're saved? Say amen. I was thinking about that. My name is written there. When Leah woke up this morning, she couldn't say that, but now she can. My name is written there. I remember the day I got my name written down. It's never been blotted out. Amen. The devil can't touch it. <laughs> I say hallelujah. I want to read one verse of scripture out of John 1. As we've all been studying on the book of John, when I started into this, had it on my heart about John for Sunday school, I didn't think I would preach through it as y'all talked through it, and I don't know what I'm going to, but God's two weeks now giving me messages out of it, so I don't know what the weeks ahead will hold, but I want to deal with verse 14 of John 1. And the Bible says, in the Word was made flesh. I'll stop right there and say this because it's really not what I'm preaching on, but I want to deal with it just a second. That is the wonder of wonders. We get, we get, we've gotten too used to that story of God becoming flesh. We've heard it all of our lives, and so to us it just, you know, it seems like this kind of cold doctrine that Jesus was born in the flesh. But I'm telling you, that is the miracle of miracles. That the God of heaven came down here and dwelt among us. I was reading this week about two, a man and his son were walking along and they kicked over an ant here. And them ants run everywhere and it distressed that son. He said, uh, how can we help him? Daddy said, the only way I could think of is if somehow we could become ants and go down there and show what to do. Because he said, we're too big to help something that small. <laughs> yeah. And the only way, the only way God could redeem mankind was to become one of us. Because otherwise he was too big to help something so small. So that's the miracle of miracles. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld its glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray together. Father, we ask Lord Jesus' name that you'd help us in the night service. Lord, you've been doing some great things around here. I'm stirred up about it, excited about what all's happening at the church. I pray, God, that you'd make this another great service tonight, not for my glory, but for your glory. God, because you're worthy and you are glorious. Help us now as only you can. We'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, just give you a little outline of this verse uh, tonight before we get into really the meat of the, the message for this evening. Uh, I want us to think tonight on the subject of... Uh, beholding his glory. And the Bible said there that we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father. So that's the majority of what I want to deal with, but I want to give you a little outline of the verse first. But before I get into that, can I just stop and say that he is glorious? 
And uh, we, we saw just a little taste of that this morning of the glory of God. But I'm glad he's glorious. He's a glorious Savior. And uh, so I want us to think about, and let, well, let me say this. He's glorious. He's glorious whether we glorify him or not. But the number one job of the church is to glorify the Savior. We're going to deal with that. We see in these verses the incarnation of Christ. He was made flesh. Like I said, that's the wonder of wonders. It's the miracle of miracles that God would be made flesh and bones like you and I. God, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God manifested himself in the flesh. He struggled like you and I struggled. Uh, he hurt like you and I hurt. He faced troubles like you and I faced troubles. He was tempted just like you and I are tempted. The only difference being he was tempted without sin, thank God. So we see the incarnation of Christ that he's made. Then we see the, hab the habitation of Christ. Well, the Bible said there that he dwelt among us. Dwelt among us. That phrase dwelt among us, it means that he tabernacled among us. You know, all throughout the Bible, God was looking for a tent to live in. Uh, you think about that pattern tent over there in the book of Exodus as God lays out the pattern for the tabernacle. It's called the pattern house in Exodus 25. It was a foreshadowing of Christ. I'd love to have time to preach on it, that original tabernacle, it had badger skins on the outside, and if you looked at it from the exterior, it didn't look like much, but inside, inside that tabernacle, my friend, was, uh, was uh, fine needlework and a lot of gold furniture, and what was a draft building on the outside was one of the most fantastic structures on the planet on the inside. Oh, my so much like Christ, my friend, just like Isaiah prophesied that he'd have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Looking from the outside, Jesus don't look like much, but once you get on the inside and you get put into Christ, how many of you can testify tonight that he is glorious? I remember looking at him from the outside. Thinking, what's the big deal? But buddy, once you get on the inside, it just continues to get more glorious and more glorious and more glorious. And so there was the pattern house. Let me give you this right real quick. There's the pattern house, but then there was the perfect house. That was the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus became, when the Word was made flesh, He was that perfect tabernacling place. And that is how God came and dwelt among us. But you know, God wasn't done because then he had a permanent house, and I'm going to deal with it in a minute, but the permanent house is you and I. That was the place where God would choose to permanently tabernacle or dwell is inside of the believer. My goodness. I'm going to deal with that in just a minute. I, I don't want to get into it right now because I 
I got several things I want to say about that. So we see the uh, the description, or we see the uh, the habitation of Christ. Then we see the description of Christ. Look what the Bible said: full of grace and truth. That means full to overflowing. You know what comes out of Jesus? Grace and truth. And that Old Testament tabernacle was full of types, amen, and law. <laughs> law and types. But you know what this New Testament tabernacle is full of? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Well, glory to God. Grace and truth. But then there's the glorification of Christ. It says we beheld his glory. Now this is the message for today, the subject of the message. Now, no doubt, <clears throat> y'all pray for my voice. Uh, no doubt, the uh, John's thinking when he makes this statement, he's thinking about that day that him and Peter and James went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw Jesus for who he really was. They saw it stripped away. They saw his glory. So John, Peter talks about it in another place about how that they held his glory, how they understood his glory. And so they had an experience, Cody, there on the Mount of Transfiguration that nobody else had. They got to see the glory of the only begotten Son of God. So when John wrote his book, he said, I'll tell you right now, he's glorious. And I beheld it. <laughs> I can tell you for sure that he is who he said he is. Boy, I don't know if there'd be any doubt in this building amongst anybody that was in the service this morning, but what God ain't who he says he is. <laughs> he's, he's glorious. Amen. He's, there's no doubt about it, see. No doubt about it. I'm glad I don't, I'm glad I didn't get involved in some stuffy old dry religion where all I had was a bunch of rituals. And come in church, this bunch of round mouth, all kind of singing and doing a bunch of a bunch of rituals. But I'm glad, thank God, I got involved in something where the Holy Ghost of God Amen. would do a work, and I could feel a stir and leave out the back door and say, "He's glory, He's glory." Hey, most people went to church this morning, and they left out of church. They, nothing stirred them about it. Nothing got them excited. It was just another humdrum day. But I'm glad this morning I was able to leave out the back door and say, ain't he glorious? Amen. Ain't he glorious? I'm glad I'm part of something like that right there. Isn't he glorious? So John said, we beheld his glory. And so I, that's what I'll think about for just a few minutes. And uh, draw some thoughts concerning his glory. Let me say this. This word glory in the Greek is doxa. It means splendor. It means brightness. It means magnificence. It means excellence. It means majesty. Can I say his virgin birth was glorious? His life was glorious. His sacrifice was glorious. His resurrection was glorious. He said, glorious blood, my friend, to purchase a glorious bride. Hey, I'm glad that he's glorious. Now we're going to turn tonight to Ephesians chapter number three. 
Ephesians chapter number three, the key word in that chapter is glory. So we see his glory in at least three places. In Ephesians chapter number three, and I want to share them with you tonight. I trust it'll be a blessing and a help to you. Look at what the Bible said there in verse number 13. The Bible said, wherefore, Ephesians 3, 13, wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. So I want to start tonight by talking about your glory. Your glory. Uh, You see, when you got saved, you got the glory of God placed inside of you. The Bible says in Colossians 1:27, to whom God would make known what the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so this same glorious Savior, this same glorious God, the day I got saved, he put that glory inside of me. <laughs> Boy, I'd, I want to get ahead of where I need to be. I got a thought at the end of this message that'll curl your hair. It curled mine yesterday. But let me just suffice to say, you've got a glory inside of you. The Bible said here that it's your glory. Now look here in Ephesians 3, and I'll show you some things that you got the day that you got saved. Look here, we've got glory, look at verse 2 of Ephesians 3, because we are living in the dispensation of grace. Look at the Bible said there in verse number 2. And the Bible said, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to uh, me to you, word, uh, can I say the first glory that we have in life, in our life, is that you and I, live under this new dispensation of grace. We don't live under the law, but we live during the church age. And while God had grace in every dispensation, Noah is an example, uh, it's our dispensation that is characterized by grace. Hey, I'm glad this morning uh, when uh, Eli came to pray. He didn't have to bring in his pocket any turtle doves. He didn't have to go out and get any. He just came on grace. (laughs) I'm glad every time I've come to the altar, I've come on grace. (laughs) Amen. Every time I've disappointed God, had to get right with God, I came on grace. (laughs) Aren't you glad tonight we live in the grace age? I say hallelujah. When Aaliyah got saved this morning, she didn't have to bring anything or offer anything. She just came on grace. When the altar filled up this morning, y'all come worship God. And so many of you just come pray this morning. You didn't have to run outside and go out into the flocks and grab a, a sheep or a lamb. Just got up out of your pew and walked an aisle. Amen. Came on grace. Oh, my. I tell you, everybody in here, I ought to say, well, glory, hallelujah, I'm glad I, I live in the grace age. I'm glad God extends grace toward, not a lot of times the independent Baptists try to put us back under the law. I'm glad I can't be put back under the law. I am under grace. Thank God. 
And so the first thing that's glorious inside of us, the glory that God has put in us, is that we live in the grace age. Oh, what a glorious thing. And I don't think y'all get it. Because I think if you really, I think if we got it, son, you'd have to catch us somewhere. You thought about, hey, did you know, did you, listen to me. Did you know that one time the book of Exodus says a man out picking up sticks on Sunday? He's out picking up sticks. And they brought him to Moses. And they said, we found this man picking up sticks on a Sunday. You know what they did? They killed him. They killed him for picking up sticks on Sunday. That's what they lived under. Wasn't nothing wrong with it. God was, God was using the law. See, I, I'm not re-preach a message that I already preached, but he was using the law to show us our inability to keep it so that would be a schoolmaster. But aren't you glad you didn't live during that time period? Amen. Where a lot of times it was one strike you're out. You didn't get three strikes. You got one strike. But aren't you glad, Brother Billy, all the times you've disappointed God? And the Bible said, thank God that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to give us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad that every time... Hey, every one of you at this point, God let God down. Aren't you glad all you had to do is come forth? God, you made one step, and he made a hundred steps. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about the Christ age. I say, glory to God. I'm glad it's a glory inside of me that I live under the dispensation of the grace of God. Now watch this. So number one, our living in the dispensation of grace is our glory. Number two, our grafting into the family of God is our glory. Look what the Bible said there in verse 6. Look what the Bible said. And the Bible said right there that the Gentiles, that's you and me. Anybody in here full-blooded Jew? <laughs> that means what I'm fixing to read to you applies to every human being in this building. Now look what it said. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body of the promises in Christ by the gospel. You talk about something glorious, you got grafted into the family of God. Nobody in here deserved to be in God's family. We were Gentile dogs. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We had no claim on the promises of God. But the day we got saved, we got something glorious. We got put into the family of God. We got grafted into the family of God. And we became fellow heirs. Hallelujah. Sons of God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then verse 12, we see another thing about our glory is our access to the, to the throne. Look at the Bible said there, verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. You talk about it, you talk about a privilege. We get to walk, you and I get to walk right up into the throne room and talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So that's your glory. We got glory put inside of us. I'm gonna deal with it one more time at the end of the message, but that's your glory. But then... Look at what the Bible says, verse number 14. What the Bible said there. The Bible said that we henceforth be no more children. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, watch this, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might, by his spirit in the inner man. So not only do you have a glory 
But really what we wanted to talk tonight about is he has a glory. There is the riches of his glory. And let me tell you what Paul said about the riches of his glory. Verse number 14, he said, for this cause, I bow the knee. I bow the knee. You know, when the glory of God shows up, it'll take a man's son that's proud and got his chest stuck out and put him right in the dirt. I tell you, I can feel that this, in this morning service. I can feel that, that holiness of God. And, uh, and I love it when things really get to rip-roaring and we can shout and run laps. But I'm telling you, sometimes the glory of God shows up and you feel like getting on your belly, weeping and crying and thanking God. Boy, I tell you, that's hard to beat right there. Paul said, when I get around his glory, it causes me to want to bow beneath. And I'm going to say something to you tonight that's foreign in our day and age. See, it's the truth. We live in this time when they try to paint Jesus out as a buddy or as a friend in modern theology. But I'm going to tell you, he's not a buddy. He's king of kings and lord of lords. Let's not forget who he is and the glory that he has and the respect that he, had he, that he deserves tonight. Uh, he is the God of heaven, uh, after all. Uh, and he's, uh, he's a glorious God. Uh, it ought to make us everyone feel like bound the knee. Paul said, when I think about it, I just want to bow the knee. I just want to bow the knee before him. And so we see that his glory causes a bowing of the knee. But watch this. His glory is rooted and grounded in love. Well, the Bible said there in verse number 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Ye being rooted and grounding in love. A proper appreciation of his glory is a foundational truth and what it does is it roots us and grounds us in his love. Some people say, well, when I see his glory, I'm reminded of his majesty. And that brings a fear into my heart, and it does. But then like that song we sang tonight, I'm reminded that my name is written in heaven. And it reminds me of his love that he had for me. I shed his blood on Calvary for my sins. And his glory has rooted and grounded me in his love. Wouldn't you say he's glorious tonight? He 